2: Hello and welcome to the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel. Do you like Walking Dead? How about World War Z? Night of the Living Dead? Any of those zombie movies, books, or whatever the case may be uh, in popular culture right now. If you like those things, you're going to like the interview today. I'm talking with the author of a book called Zombifying a Nation, Race, Gender, and the Haitian Lois on screen. The author is Toni Presley Sannon. and she's a professor at Eastern Michigan University. And the book is published by McFarlane Press. And if you're interested in those things, you'll want to understand the true history of zombies, where they come from, and the connection to Haiti. And she really gets into those things in her book. And it's a book that's very accessible for everyone. And I think you'll enjoy this interview. We had a great time talking. We talked about some current events, as well as American history and, uh, West African religions and how all those things kind of come together uh, to give us what we know of today as the zombie. So give it a listen. I think you're going to enjoy. Again, the book is Zombifying a Nation, Race, Gender and the Haitian Loas on Screen. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to the New Books Network. I'm your host James Stansel on the African American Studies channel and I have the pleasure today of being here with an author on a really interesting, of a really interesting book here. It's called Zombifying a Nation, Race, Gender, and the Haitian Loas on screen. I'm here with Dr. Tony Presley Sano of Ypsilanti, Michigan's Eastern Michigan University. How'd I do, Doctor Presley Sano? Did I do it? Say it right, Ipsilanti. You did.
1: You did very well. Ipsilanti is yeah, it's a beautiful little town. All and right. uh, Got it. Good. Give it props.
2: Yeah, give it props. So I'm here with Doctor Don. Uh, Tony Presley Sano, Eastern Michigan University, and her book is Zombifying a Nation: Race, Gender, and the Haitian Laws on Screen. So you're doing pretty well today. Where it's getting late into the semester. You're doing pretty well, Tony.
1: I'm doing very well. Grading, um, you know, wrapping up the semester. Um, I had a really beautiful semester with my students, and so um, I'm going to miss them. And But we'll get on to other projects and think Absolutely. about the next semester and the next couple of weeks. So I'm also very excited. Good. Thank you so much for having me on. Jane. Oh, It's
2: my pleasure. Thank you for taking the, the time. I know it's a busy time of the year and i was really excited about getting getting you here for our audience tony because this is a really interesting book and before we really get into the nuts and bolts of the book I, you know i think our audience would like to know a little bit about about you as a researcher and a scholar you know your your background um you know any mm-hmm. influ- influential people that you want to mention or if you want to give a shout out to anyone even
1: mm-hmm. you know then mm-hmm. maybe,
2: maybe tell us about why you were interested in this topic
1: mm. um Thanks for that. I think um, my personal background is is as important
0: mm-hmm.
1: uh, as my my intellectual background. I Ooh. was a child of Queens, New York, okay. uh, grew up in the hood, and um, uh, went to a, actually a failing high school.
0: Oh no! Okay.
1: Uh, but was was uh, enlisted in a bunch of um, AP classes and mm-hmm. somehow got the attention. Of a program um, that was part of Hamilton College in Clinton, New York. Okay. uh, um, System. And so someone actually came and recruited me. Wow. And was uh, one of 25 students of color. This Mm -hmm. is every student of color on that campus of about 1,500 students in Hamilton. Is um, College on the Hill, beautiful place, upper middle class, Mm -hmm. lots of resources. Um, and um, studied comparative literature mm-hmm. with a minor in African American studies while I was there. Um, and um, it was during my senior year mm-hmm. that I was able to spend six days in Haiti. It's my first ah. time traveling internationally. Oh, okay. During a Carnival, right? So the middle of February, and I'm traveling from upstate New York where it's freezing, snowing. And land in this place where cows and goats are walking around with cars. I'd never been any place like this before in life. And eighty-five degrees, parties all over the place, and (laughs) absolutely fell in love with the country. And um, after I graduated with my undergraduate Mm -hmm. degree, um, Aristide Jean Bertrand Aristide just and was a very hopeful time in the country. And so I I bought a one-way ticket and um, planned to move back. But, of course, um, by the end of September, mm-hmm. there was the coup d'etat, right? and um, I stayed there for about another year and a half, but the, the economy the, just bottomed out, and mm-hmm. I realized I didn't live there any longer, and so I came back to the States and mm-hmm. um, eventually got a, a master's degree from the, the New School for Social Research, Ooh. loved it there, um, and was... Uh, fortunate, really, really fortunate and blessed to meet M. Jackie Alexander who is an amazing scholar and a wonderful mentor and I should back up a little bit and tell you that my senior year at Hamilton Mm -hmm. a professor named Andre Nicola McLaughlin came from Medgar Evers um, to spend a a year at Hamilton and Mm -hmm. she um, gave me my first class on on third world women's literature and Mm. that was that just set the trajectory for, I think, the rest of my life. Um, so um, then, I, um, after I got my master's degree, I went to live in Ghana for about six months and wow. traveled the country. It was, in, and volunteer taught at um, Achimota School, which was Kwame Nkrumah's. Oh. So that was pretty exciting. Um, Ghana is one of my favorite places in mm. the whole world. And then decided to, to come back and finally finish it off and get my PhD mm-hmm. in the Department of uh, African Languages and Literature, it was called wow. at the time. And oddly enough, in Madison, Wisconsin, right, you wouldn't think that, <laughs> you know, African, African Languages and Literature would be someplace like that. But um, I had some of the most amazing professors and um, mentors there.
2: University of Wisconsin.
1: University of Wisconsin, right. Madison, yes. Um, okay.
2: One of the best schools in the country.
1: <laughs> One of the best schools in the country, although with, with um, Scott Walker, we're not sure what's happening with all of that. But. Um, <laughs> um,
2: the views expressed by Dr. Presley Sano may not necessarily
3: <laughs>
2: be those of the New Books Network.
1: <laughs>
3: but please
2: continue.
1: Um, so I, I was very fortunate there when I was there to have people who encouraged my interdisciplinary work right. and who encouraged me to make the connections between Africa and its diaspora. And so mm. I ended up getting my degree in African languages and literature with a minor in Latin American, Caribbean, wow. and Iberian studies. So I was able to con- to combine my my two... Three four, five loves Love and um, film literature, um, oral literatures um, and visual art
0: mm-hmm.
1: from Africa into the diaspora into um, the work that I do now and so I'm really really I'm so happy to be at Eastern where I can take what I've learned and share with um, with students here so. Absolutely.
2: That sounds great. And and with your book, you're sharing some of your passion with the world.
1: That is the hope. Absolutely. That is you, the hope.
2: you are. I mean, it's a very well done book. You know, I really enjoyed it. And, you know, I'm hoping that our audience will, you know, will listen to this podcast and want to go and check it out themselves. And what's the book we're talking about? We're talking about zombifying a nation, race, gender and the Haitian loas on screen. And I'm here on the New Books Network, the African-American studies channel with Dr. Tony Presley. Sano of Eastern Michigan University. She is the author. And this book is published by McFarlane Press. And, you know, we talked a little bit offline about this, Tony, but the cover of this book is gruesome at the same time, <laughs> yet <laughs> yet interesting and it has some meaning to it. Would it's got its
1: poetry to it, definitely. Yes. Um yeah, and as I was telling you, it was it's sort of it's a quite interesting story because they didn't consult with me about the cover. Mm-hmm. I don't think I saw the cover until it was already on Amazon.com, mm-hmm. and I was a little horrified <laughs> <laughs> because it is so jarring. Right. Um. But obviously, McFarlane knows what they're doing. Yes. Charlie, I must give a shout out to Charlie Perdue. He Charlie is, Perdue, okay. He, he um, was so wonderful to work with. And um, their production company. It's it's actually quite a beautiful book that I um, mm-hmm. talked Absolutely. to my my friends about, and it was clear that McFarlane knows what it's doing because yes. this will definitely get your attention. It will. And mm-hmm. as you and I were talking about it, just the, this picture on the beginning just has so much um, meaning to it with this white face on the cut on the outer layer, right. but then this black sort of bloodied. Right, base um, underneath it, which speaks to this misinterpretation, this abuse, this um, exploitation and right. violence against the black body in 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 terms of the zombie. So.
2: Absolutely, and for those of you, you know, we're we're kind of describing the image for you. You know, uh, you know, this is a podcast; you can't see it visually. But if you want to pull up the book, you know, you can look it up at the McFarland website or on Amazon or some of your o- o- other uh, book uh, sellers. And it's yeah, you know, just like uh, Tony said, it's a white face, uh, and underneath, it's almost like the white face, like a covering, right? It's like a mask almost, and there's a black person underneath. Yeah. Right. So what? What is so? What? You know, can you can maybe just describe to our audience what what does that really mean? And then we can kind of get into a little bit too, Tony, about you know what your book is really about and, and you know some of the main topics therein.
1: Um, I think it. It is the epitome of the saying that a, a a picture is worth a thousand words. Right. Um. And so people will bring different interpretations to the image, but mm-hmm. I think it speaks to the distortion of the image of the Haitian person in the international um, community's mind, right? right? It's sort of this... Um, this foisting of um of a persona right mm-hmm. on the black body from mm-hmm. the international community, and so but what is underneath is actually is and this foisting is a violence to mm. to those bodies and so just a really uh incredible incredible cover, I think really brilliantly executed mm-hmm. and imagined so i'm I'm very very happy with it and then the bloody fing- the bloody fingerprints, of course. Also, even though the book doesn't do the George Romero sort of you know brain eating the living dead um, there is also there's always of course this association of the zombie with it so um once people open the cover, they will understand <laughs> that um I don't do the gore, which is probably it's. It's actually a big part of why the book takes the the turn that it does. Most of the books on zombies go from these 1930s 30s films. Right. I Walked With a Zombie, White Zombie,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: then just continue straight through to these later films, these more recent films like, um, mm-hmm. um, you know, the George Romero series mm-hmm. and, um, 28 days, right? And, right. Um, World War Z. Yes, yes, yes. Um,
2: and the Walking Dead series.
1: Right. Where um, there's a lot of sort of gore. I don't do gore very well, and mm-hmm. so that was in large part my reason for staying with this much more sort of metaphorical. Right. Um, reading of of the zombie.
2: And, and what you're talking about is more realistic than what they're talking about.
1: In some ways, I think that mm-hmm. um, George Romero's understanding of consumerism as mm-hmm. as a form of zombification is right on point. Right. Okay. But um, what I do is situated culturally. right?
0: Okay. This
1: is actually a phenomenon
0: mm-hmm.
1: in um, in Haiti, and we one of the things that's important to remember, and that you're you're alluding to, is that the um the source of the original zombie is actually haiti right right um, the, which was brought into the American imagination by a journalist named mm. um William Seabrook and his magical island after he lived in Haiti for a year, lived with a mumbo, which is a, a voodoo priestess, mm. and was privy to some pretty um incredible information, and what he did was he wrote a book that that made the connection between um, this word that existed Mm. and this actual being and Mm. which entered into the American imagination at the same time that the U.S. Marines were occupying the country. Right. So, um, and um, this is getting a little bit ahead, but what I do is thinking, think about the way The zombie enters the American imagination at a time when the United States, specifically white males, are trying to Mm -hmm. deal with their own, quote-unquote, Negro problem, right? Mm. Uh, Slavery has ended. It's Jim Crow era. Um, So there is a sort of um, a desire to um, domesticate, Mm -hmm. in many ways, um, the black male. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, at the same time that they're engaged um, the United States is engaged in, in expansionist project
0: mm-hmm. so
1: they are invading um, brown and black countries
3: right. the
1: way of sort of catching up to these other world powers that had been able mm-hmm. to do this in earlier centuries mm-hmm. so it was it was what the zombie does is it? it, it takes care of two problems, it It helps the United States sort of um, deal with its own internal problem with Mm -hmm. with uh, people of African descent no longer being um, enslaved, right? But also with um, their expansionist project and trying to Mm -hmm. subjugate people from outside the the nation as well. So
2: making kind of creating an othering, which I think is how you described it earlier, right?
1: Right, right, mm. so you other from yeah. within, and then you other from without, and right. you um, and everything that does not look like you becomes this monstrous um, figure right. that must be contained and controlled. and the zombie is a perfect, perfect metaphor for mm. the uncontainable, the uncontrollable. And how do you deal with that? You consume its labor. Um, mm. You turn it into a being um, without will of its own in your own mind, right? In your own imagination. Mm-hmm. And then you can sleep easy at night, right? Because you don't mm. have to worry about people <laughs> killing you in your sleep. Um, <laughs> um, after all of the injustice right. that you have all right. visited upon them.
2: All right, And so, so this is some, you know, this, the Americans like came to Haiti and brought the ideal of the zombie back from Haiti to the United mm-hmm. States.
1: Exactly. And then you Which had is- this proliferation of films. Hollywood was conscripted as part of this project mm. of um, containing and controlling the black body, both internal to the country and external to the country. Mm. So, um, these zombie films were quite effective at the time. And
2: we're here with Dr. Tony Presley Sano, She's a professor at Eastern Michigan University, and we're talking to her today on the New Books Network, the African American Studies channel, about her book, Zombifying a Nation Race, Gender, and the Haitian Loas on screen. And I'm saying Loas correctly, right? Is that it's the correct?
1: Especially
2: Loa? Oh, I figured I wasn't. Loa. <laughs> I'm sorry, every, all my Haitian friends. My bad. I apologize. Loa, <laughs> Haitian Loa. So, so what In does Israel that mean? It's
1: actually spelled L W A. So that's L W, right? Because it's a phonetic language.
2: So when so when people look at the subtitle and they say not Loa, as I said, but Loa, what is a Haitian Loa? I mean, can you know just for people who maybe aren't familiar? Uh,
1: a Loa is a um, Haitian deity or a voodoo deity um, okay. or spirit, or um, also called mystère. Mm -hmm. And, um, they are, um, there are different ones with, um, different domains and different attributes, um, who can help guide, um, the living, Mm -hmm. um, and, um, sometimes they are spirits of the dead Mm -hmm. and, um, are very, very important to, um, it's part of the Vodou Pantheon and, um, You know people have ceremonies that celebrate them they they uh during uh ceremonies they Mm -hmm. come and they are believed to ride the person who is possessed so oh my yeah so if you remember um zora neale hurston's tell my horse right she uses the um if you remember the the cover there's um, actually someone riding like a horse uh, another person and so um it's not that's it's you know how it's described. Like the law will ride someone and the person takes on the persona of the law. And these these different la have very different personalities. Um mm-hmm. can be um very strong, very mm-hmm. um funny, um mm. um sexually charged, oh my. um uh violent right
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, just as just as human beings are right, right. and
2: all different types of yeah, humans yeah, exactly right? Behaviors.
1: exactly um but you know it can also be gentle and protective and um um just really beautiful sources of um inspiration in people's mm. lives mm-hmm. so um the belief is that just a a bit of history with the law, you know, people were, were brought to um, the nation of Saint Domingue from different parts of Africa. You also had your Mm -hmm. indigenous population there um, almost completely exterminated by Columbus. Mm -hmm. And so many of the people came from um, an area that was known as Dahomey um, on the west coast of Africa and central West Africa, the Congo area. Right. So, part of the one of the beliefs is that these different um belief systems came together where you had uh where in, in um Dahomey you had Bodun, Vodun, V O D U N. Right. Right? And then you have your own spirits in the Congolese traditions.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: They come together in this sort of cauldron of the um slave plantation. Right. And out of this is created this new Syncretic religion throw into okay. this Catholicism, um, right. which outlawed um, these African traditions, but right. which people were able to um, sort of hide and feel right. their own belief systems within. And um, so you have many of the, the Haitian law who actually correspond to Catholic saints. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's believed quite. Popularly and has been um, actually documented by several wow. scholars, there was a ceremony um, called the Boa Caima Ceremony on, um, in, in 1791 in which people got mm-hmm. together um, under the um, aegis of uh, Ogu who was mm-hmm. Boa and declared that they would either take their liberty or they would die trying. And so that is how Haiti came to be once mm-hmm. they... Um, Defeated the French, they renamed the country in honor of that indigenous population that had been almost exterminated, Haiti, which means mountainous country, mountainous nation. So always there is this turning towards um the the native population that was there mm-hmm. before, as well as the African populations is and you know but there's a there's also a large american influence in there partly because of 1915 to 1934 occupation by right. the united states marines um and the um sort of violent way that they um imposed their will upon the people
2: mm. well that's a, an interesting piece of history there and and some may not be aware
1: I, yeah, I hope I didn't ramble too much. I just get really oh, no. excited about
3: this.
2: No, 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 that was, no, that was fine. Okay. That was fine. Uh, you know, it was a, it was a good piece of history that a lot of people may not know unless they, you know, until they get to college or unless they specifically study, uh, you know, Haitian history or, um, uh, you know, American history during the, yeah. uh, you know, the, during that time period after the Spanish American war during the, you know, yep. age of uh, imperial period yep. there.
1: And I should say um, too that, um, go ahead. Once, haiti took its its independence in eighteen o four rather than um welcoming it into the fold of newly independent nations as the united right. states was was um
3: right. welcomed
1: into diplomatic relations um the rest of the world pretty much was um or the the sorry the um the western hemisphere was still very mm. much invest, invested in the slave plantation economy right and um, you know, Noam Chomsky talks about the fact that Haiti was never forgiven for the um, the crime of taking its liberty, and so we saw this um, over and over again with the United States not even recognizing Haiti's independence until I believe 1862, if I'm not um, if I'm not um, mistaken, and um, the and after the revolution. Henri Christophe, who um, became Haiti's first king, built a Mm. fort, a beautiful fort in the northern part of the country in order to protect the country against what he believed would be a French invasion. Mm. Little did he know that it would actually be the United States that would. It
3: would be the American, (laughs) not
1: French. In 1915.
2: Mm. And we're here with Tony Presley Seno, the author of Zombifying a Nation, Race. Gender and the Haitian loi.
3: There we go. Beautiful.
2: And the Haitian loi on screen. And so we talked a little bit about the race. Can you talk a little bit, Tony, about maybe the gender aspects?
1: Yes. Yes. Um, at the same time that um, the United States was dealing with its Negro problem as well as this expansion into mm. other nations, it was also dealing with this, this issue of the new woman, right? This new mm. liberated woman. And what to do with her, because she was no longer interested um, in remaining in the home. She was traveling to other countries. Mm-hmm. She was engaging with people of other countries. And um, and there was the, a desire for the white male to return her to her place as well.
0: Right. Okay. Uh,
1: as a subject, as, um, you know, this Madonna status, right? The mother of mm-hmm. the nation, the mother of his children. And so you see a lot of this coming through in these films. Um, these uh, the dichotomy between the corrupted woman and mm. <laughs> corruptive and corrupted, and you can see her fate in some of these films. Like I, am I, um, which one is it? White Zombie. And right. She,
0: That's what I was thinking right. about.
1: White Zombie. <laughs> she Jessica really gets uh, her just due at the end, along with. Um, the person that she would have been having an affair with, which which was her husband's half brother. Mm. Um and it's interesting because at the end of the film there is this what sounds very much like an African American minister intoning
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, you know, sort of giving this little sermon about how problematic she was, how how corrupted she was, and right. um, you know, oh Lord forgive her. <laughs> so,
2: that's that's pretty good. <laughs>
1: <laughs> happened the church what no, yeah,
2: but yeah I, I, you know I have not seen all of these films, but i have seen I've seen white zombie, and of course, we talk offline about uh a serpent and the rainbow, yeah, um but I, I definitely remember that aspect very, very vividly about um white zombie, and just the name, white zombie, yeah, right. that stuck out to me as a young person, I didn't know this history, and I was like, well, why is
1: it a white zombie? are not
2: all zombies white?
1: okay oh right because you already okay okay
2: right and but as i grew up i realized no the zombies you know the haitian connection there right and so that's something i really want to emphasize is that you know when you look at uh the walking dead and a nightmare of uh what uh, world war z and the night of the living dead the the romero movies you know you have white zombies and black zombies different things but it's, it's mostly geared towards like a maybe a, a, a European type zombie or a white or Caucasian zombie. When that's not what the history really
1: was. Yeah, right. I think it, I actually I think that's kind of a, a good thing in the way that um, George Romero just kind of universalized the zombie. Right.
3: That's true. That's true. <laughs> it was true. quite
1: revolutionary, and I think I think I read that that first movie was almost revolutionary in its conceptualization that the main character, the guy who saves people, is actually an mm-hmm. African-American person. Right. Um, and there was a lot of controversy around that. So
2: During that time, that's
1: true. He's making, he's making I think, very, very important um, connections. But I will tell you that actually one of my favorite films in, in this whole book, there are mm-hmm. several favorites, but one of my very, very favorites is The Love Wonga.
2: Okay, the which, Love Wonga, nineteen
1: thirty-five. Yes, which a lot of people don't know about. Okay, because of its kind of crazy history, it was um a fi- it was a film for Paramount Films. Hmm. But because the main character is a black woman, Freddie Washington.
2: Right. Um, familiar with her?
1: Yeah. Um, and the topic of miscegenation. Mm-hmm. Paramount decided that after it was done it was not going to release it because oh it that's probably why I haven't heard of it controversial um, and there's this wonderful story behind the making of the film they actually mm-hmm. filmed it in Haiti they started filming in Haiti mm-hmm. but the filmmaker just decided to take all kinds of liberties right with Vodou with and tried to negotiate with Um, local Vodou priest um, Ugans to Mm -hmm. acquire some sacred objects was refused Mm -hmm. so just decided to take them just to steal them right but (sighs) um, you know finds this love finds a wanga which is a kind of charm it can either be for love or it can be for death it can be for healing or it can be for destruction he finds this wanga Obviously destructive, Wanga on his car seat, and then a number of other things happen, and they have they have to leave Haiti and finish mm. filming in Jamaica. Mm. But it doesn't stop there, right? It's almost as if the the mojo or the you know <laughs> Haiti's mojo just followed them to Jamaica, and You're cursed. They they I think one person gets impaled on oh. <laughs> some sort of plans and it's just it's just a mess something that was supposed to take two weeks ends up taking six mm. weeks to do the filming so it's there's a very interesting backstory to the film as well and so one of the things that I explore in the in the chapter mm. is um sort of the ambiguity of of um of the white male characters
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, his history right because and there's, that's a, there's a lot going on there with Jean Jacques Dessalines after he declared Haiti independence, made it illegal for any white to own land in mm-hmm. Haiti. When the United States came in with the Marines, they changed the Constitution so that whites could own land. Mm-hmm. And so you have this phenotypically um, white man, Adam Maynard,
0: mm-hmm.
1: who. Whose father owns a plantation so you know it's, it's kind of unclear if he really is white if he's just a very light-skinned mulatto ah. and so you know this whole thing around miscegenation needs to be teased out right which is what mm-hmm. i try to do in the chapter and that's right. part of the issue right with with miscegenation if people mix enough then you really can't figure out who's black really who's not, right and so right. you cannot you can't continue to be invested in whiteness, right? You can't, you know, the status quo cannot remain in place. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's, that, that was the, that was a major preoccupation for mostly white men at the time. So, Mm
0: -hmm. uh, Mm -hmm.
1: so yeah, that was a really, really fun chapter to write. Mm -hmm. And um, it's funny too, the, the the film is part of a series called the Weird Series. <laughs>
2: weird series.
1: The weird series and it's part of so you'll find other other um titles on there like, you know, marijuana madness, right? So it gives you an idea Oh, yeah.
2: okay. Reefer madness.
1: Reefer Madness, right, right. So Reefer yeah. Madness. Um so it gives you an idea of um, you know, <laughs> <laughs> the category that it's placed Right,
2: in. what was going on.
1: Yeah, at, and um, you can see this sort of preoccupation with, with the white woman as well, right, and this issue of purity mm-hmm. in the fact that the the main white character is named Adam, and his fiance is named Eve. Ah, right. And so these kind right. of really obvious references to biblical mm-hmm. purity um, and uh, clearly is a, a voodoo priestess, she's a mumbo. Mm -hmm. who is hell-bent on – I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't have said that – but bent on securing this man for herself, even though she has a mulatto – um, love interest or someone mm-hmm. who is mulatto who's interested in her and one of the things that comes up over and over again is you need to stick with your own kind. You need to stick with your own mm-hmm. kind, which she refuses to do and so in the end, I don't want to spoil it for people, but you know, she mm-hmm. also gets her comeuppance. Mm. So.
2: so there was all kinds of messages
1: so-
2: maybe not mm-hmm. so positive.
1: Amazing yeah. messages. and I guess the- positive
2: on, depending on your perspective whether it was a positive message or not.
1: Yeah, but I think Yeah, I think that Paramount, though, realized how it could be taken in different ways. And so, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: you know, was probably one of the reasons it did not get released. So but hopefully, you know, with books like this, the the ultimate Mm -hmm. hope is that films like this that I think are really quite important to our understanding of history Mm -hmm. will make their way into um, the general population and and resurface and and be written about more because. People like Freddie Washington were amazing groundbreakers, and
2: Holly Berry before there was Holly Berry.
1: Before there was a Holly Halle Berry, and um, ended up leaving Holly She actually played in um, what is that film? Oh, it's imagination. Oh, it's it's the oh
2: imitation of life. Imitation
1: of life, right? I got you back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you. She actually played in, in imitation of life right um but uh filmmakers kept trying to cast her as white and mm-hmm. um you know she just completely refused and eventually left hollywood because she was tired of and mm-hmm. you know became an actually actually a civil rights activist mm-hmm. very clear about where her political allegiance was
2: that sounds like a future book maybe in the works for you right there tony
1: It does. uh, Yeah. um, I'd have to do a lot of archival work because very little is available from what I've seen. Very little available about her. Mm -hmm. um, You know, just readily available. So Mm -hmm. but yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm.
2: And that that kind of brings me to another point. And again, I'm here with Dr. Tony Presley Sano of Eastern Michigan University. And we're talking about her book by McFarlane. Zombifying a nation, race, gender, and the Haitian lois
0: mm-hmm.
1: on screen. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. I think I'm doing okay, Tony. Loa, right? I'm, I'm I'm I got it now.
1: Excuse me, you were doing very well. Thank you. So All much. right,
2: good loa, and that brings me to a, another point. When we were talking just briefly there about Freddie Washington and potentially a book project for you, I think it's really good for the audience to know you know, how a scholar like yourself, how do you go about doing the research for a book like this? You know, what was the process? How long did it take? You know, (laughs) and, you know, I know, you know, I understand how that that goes, you know, to a certain extent. But everybody who, you know, if you haven't done academic research like this, you may not know. So maybe just talk about that. You know, what what steps did you take? How long did it take? What did you have to do, etc.?
1: It's actually a very magical process. (laughs)
2: no no pun intended
1: no no pun intended it's actually quite magical sometimes um i was just rereading the introduction the other day and it was like wow i cannot believe that i did this it's it's almost (laughs) as if um this intellectual curiosity takes Mm. over and one question leads to another question right and once one thing is answered it presents itself in a different way and there's another question that has to be answered and it's beautiful it's just it just comes organically it it just emerges really quite organically um and which is why i'm so grateful for editors and and (laughs) (laughs) reviewers (laughs) because um you can just keep going and going and going um
2: so, Especially if it's a passion or something that you're really motivated or interested
1: oh, in. Oh yeah. This it was so much fun to write. Um it was just so much fun to write and and it was only after about a year or maybe two years after starting mm-hmm. the writing that I got that lois connection. I wasn't seeing it for the first oh. you know, one or two years. Uh first um edits of the of the book and finally Because I was working on another project at the same time. Okay. One day, you know, maybe in a dream or something, it was like, holy smokes, the Loire are throughout these films. Whether Mm -hmm. the filmmaker was conscious of what they were doing or not, that's the question Mm -hmm. in some ways. But, from the perspective of voodoo, which we see in the love Wanga, right? Mm-hmm. Whether someone is conscious of their presence or not, they can still manifest themselves. Mm. So part of the, the project of the book is to, to highlight uh, mm-hmm. their presence, mm-hmm. to point out the way that they are misinterpreted by mm-hmm. some of these filmmakers, Mm-hmm. To make it clear the reality of mm-hmm. the tradition from which they come mm-hmm. so, um and to explore how they are used in the, mm-hmm. and and what they reveal right not only about oh. the filmmakers but about about the socio political um and uh context
2: of the time of the
1: time right, and also um Creatively, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: So yeah, yeah.
2: Did you did you you had ready access to these films? Because these are these are older films, with the exception of like The Serpent and the Rainbow. I mean, how'd you get access to them? Did you just you were able to get them from the studios? Or
1: Oh no, I think most any self respecting university library has a copy. Oh, it should have. <laughs> a zombie and I walked with a zombie. So many people have written about it. I mean, a whole book was yeah. written on. Um, I think it was White Zombie. Rhodes yeah. wrote this whole book on it. Right. Brian Sin writes a lot about these older mm-hmm. films. Um, and so that was that became the question, right? What can you say? What could I say right. was unique, unique and, and different, original, right, about these films that have been written about so much? And so I'm I'm so grateful for the the time that I've been able to spend in Haiti.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um
1: so that I could hopefully bring something new to the conversation.
2: Absolutely, and I feel like you did. Thank you. I feel like you did. And again, the book is Zombifying a Nation. The nation being... I-E-T? Haiti yeah, I-E-T. Or Haiti as we I-E-T. say in North Carolina. I-E-T. Okay,
1: Haiti.
2: <laughs> <laughs> zombifying a Nation. The nation of, well, I'll say Haiti. Okay. Race, gender, and the, <laughs> the Haitian loi on screen. And I'm here with Dr. Tony Presley Sano. Mm-hmm. And she is a professor at Eastern Michigan University in Ypsilanti, Michigan. And again, her book is published by McFarlane Press. And it's a great book. If you're interested in the history of uh, series like The Walking Dead, Uh, If you like the uh, Romero, Living Dead movies, White Zombie, hey, if you are a White Zombie the Band fan or Uh, Rob Zombie, (laughs) any of of those things, Surfing and the Rainbow, you know, going back, if you're interested in Haitian history or if you're interested in religious studies, the religion of these, you know... um, the creation or the, you know, the uh, connection between Catholicism and these West African religions mm-hmm. to create mm-hmm. religions like mm-hmm. Voodoo and uh, Santeria. Right,
1: which are quite revolutionary in their own right Absolutely.
2: You know, this is a, a you know, really interesting book there for you that uh, Tony has has created. And Tony, you know, I, I could talk to you all day. We talked mm-hmm. about that before. It's like we're sitting around and we're, you know, chopping it up. But I know that you've got to get ready for the end of semester exams and, you know, kind of shutting it down here at the end of the semester. Um, so before we really go, I wanted to give talking you. talking
1: to you. Thank you.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And we're definitely going to do it again. And, and that's what brings me to my next point. You know, can you maybe tell the audience about some of the uh, current things that you're working on or if you have any future projects that you'd like to share with us or things that we can look out for from you?
1: Why, yes. Thank you for asking <laughs> that question. <Of> <laughs> actually, I will tell you that this book actually came out of, Another the project that is is um, going to be published.
2: Oh, forthcoming. Okay.
1: forthcoming Spring slash summer two thousand seventeen. Okay. And it's called "Histoire," um, Haitian history, memory, or hate or history, memory, and the cultural imagination in uh, in uh, Haitian cultural production. Okay. And uh, the book is based on my um, field research. Mm-hmm. in a small coastal town that was the hub was one of the hubs of the transatlantic slave trade. Oh, okay. Um, Wida, right? Small mm-hmm. town. Um that I, I lived in <laughs> for about a year. And um but also I I also look at um the Congo and okay. think about how visual and oral histories of mm-hmm come through in um, or memory and history intersect right okay. through oral and visual culture as they are manifest in in Haiti and I actually use the loi as okay. a um, as a, a, a sort of lightning rod or um, a, a sight right mm-hmm. which is the marasa the, the twins, the, the sacred twins. Okay. In the in the Vodou tradition, and I also theorized the project through Kamal Brathwaite's the um, historian's concept of tidalectics, which mm-hmm. um, refers to the back and forth movements of the Atlantic Ocean, right? Mm-hmm. And I propose that there's a it's a long conversation going on from the from Africa into its diaspora, and and if we look at visual um culture as well as oral culture mm-hmm. then we can and and think about them in relation to history or traditional right. history then we get a much more clear and more holistic picture of what actually transpired and how people okay. process that history so i'm so so very very excited about it and okay Sounds again good to me. back to this 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 was a sort of side project so it mm-hmm. it kind of got me out of my head around <laughs> and um so these i watch watched these films just for fun they're so much fun all right much fun and i will well, say too oh um yes yes if someone is interested i have an article in black camera which is one of my favorite journals
2: Black Camera. Black okay. Camera.
1: It's um, an international journal of, of black cinema
2: mm-hmm.
1: in which I talk about two films that didn't make it into the book. Oh, uh-huh. um, OK. And that star Mantan Moreland. Yes, I'm
2: familiar. Yeah.
1: Um, Madame Soltiwan, right? OK. <laughs> Who were very, very famous in the 1930s and 40s, made over 100 films each, were incredibly prolific. Mm-hmm. the kinds of films that they had to take speaks to Hollywood at the time.
0: Mm, so
1: again, you know, dealing with the Negro question and, um, which, which of course, Spike Lee, right. A contemporary filmmaker,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, reminds us of in bamboozled. So, bamboozled. Right, absolutely. So, right. So, you know, I'm always very, very, um, keen on making these distant connections to what's happening contemporarily. So I absolutely. I've been able to do that with, with this book. And thank you again so much for inviting me to do this. It's been so much fun talking to you.
2: Absolutely, and I want to get you back too, Tony. When you get that book completed, right on. Let's yeah, let's get you back, and we can do part two, part three, or whatever we want to call it. <laughs> so we can talk about your next book as as well. And then I want you to like we talked about offline. I want you to write your personal story about Haiti. That's the book I want uh, to read. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, about your adventures in Haiti, because I know that's a book.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, a book a movie. the book and the movie—the preface, that little bit, right where the—I right, <laughs> right. wandered down the street with this guy that I'd met in a cafe, <laughs> and suddenly I said, "Hmm, I might end up being the zombie. Maybe I don't want to go yeah. down this road." You—you
2: you, you left the people wanting more. <laughs> we want more of <laughs> of those of those stories. And again, I'm here with Tony Presley Seno. Um, she's an outstanding author and outstanding person. Uh, McFarland Press, her book Zombifying a Nation: Race, Gender, and the Haitian Loire on screen, mm. right? And we're gonna we're gonna let Tony go so she can uh, finish up her fall semester and get to her family, like mm-hmm. the rest of us are gonna do here in uh, in December. But um, any final words you want to leave us with, Tony? You know, any any you know final just last thoughts or comments you want to share about Zombifying a Nation?
1: oh that is that is the question um or other
2: than it's awesome and go buy it right
1: (laughs) well no i I think that we really i would i would say that honestly i would hope that um people hopefully who are listening to this will um help us rethink the global north's relationship to the global south right and try to make a much more equitable relationship Yes. And with Haiti in particular, because that nation has given us, given the world so much. Yes. That uh, we stopped treating it as a pariah um, and well said. Um, let it live its gifts, right? Um, so, well said. Yeah, thank you for that opportunity.
2: No problem. And, and you know, and learning more about the history which you present in your book, zama and a Nation, maybe people can understand and take some responsibility and not only always look to blame Haiti and mm-hmm. other countries for mm-hmm. their problems and look at what the United States and some of the other um, European or Western powers had to do, you know, mm-hmm. take some responsibility okay. as, as well, mm-hmm.
0: Mm-hmm. not just take, 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 take. About
1: The Clinton's relationship to Haiti is, is really right. fascinating. Yes, it was their 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 honeymoon destination. So there's a bit of nostalgia about it. Mm-hmm. But we also must remember that a few years ago, well, there was first the pig eradication program, which completely mm-hmm. gutted the Haitian peasantry. But also mm-hmm. just a few years ago, um, Bill Clinton um, had all of this American-grown rice shipped into Haiti, which completely gutted the rice industry in, in mm. Haiti, and apologized for it. But now we have the, the crisis of peanuts that, that are proposed to be introduced to Haiti. And mm-hmm. Haitians grow their own peanuts. It's an, mm-hmm. it's an integral part of their economy.
2: So that's, that could be a potential problem there as well, it sounds
1: like. Oh, it's a problem. <laughs>
2: <laughs> oh, it's not even a potential. It's already a problem. When
1: you, wow. when you gut someone's economy, inevitably, if you are in control of people's stomachs, you are in control mm-hmm. of their destinies.
2: Um, Ooh, powerful!
1: And so you know, this is a fact. Apologies are lovely, but then stop making the same mistake over and over again. That is—that's mm. all that they ask.
2: And that's one of the lessons of of history.
1: Mm. If we it should it. be if we learn it, right?
2: If we learn it, and I just wanted to ask you too, Tony. You said Black Camera. Which issue is it? Is it the current issue that's out? Yes, or one that's coming out.
1: Yes, it just came out in okay. October. Brand okay. new, hot off the presses.
2: So, so, so it's the current issue of Black Camera. You can see some of Tony's work in there. Some of the uh, uh, films that didn't make the cut into her book, she talks about and analyzes in the current issue of Black Camera, which is an international film journal, correct?
1: Correct. Right. Correct. The only one uh, of its kind.
2: Absolutely. And so we're going to wrap it up here. Tony, please say goodbye to my audience.
1: Bye, audience. Thank you so much, James. This has
2: been so much fun. Absolutely. Thank you. And we're here with Dr. Tony Presley-Seno, the author of Zombifying a Nation, Race, Gender, and the Haitian Lowers on Screen, published by McFarland Press. Check it out. It's it's reasonably priced. It's priced not for the academic audience but for the general readership.
0: Right. And
2: so you, you can get it on Kindle as well. You can go to Amazon or any of your book publishers or booksellers. If you have a person in your family or someone that you know that is really interested in zombies and those kind of things, this can be a great gift for them, right? So definitely do so. Yes, so my contact
1: information will be on the website, correct, James?
2: Yes, it will.
1: Great.
2: There will there'll be, there'll be a link. You can, um, you can go to Dr. Presley Sandin's, uh Eastern Michigan page, and you'll be able to click right through. From New Books Network and purchase her book from Amazon.com.
0: Beautiful. Thanks, James. All right.
2: Thank you, Dr. Presley Seno, and thank you, everyone, who's listening on the African American Studies channel of the New Books Network. And we'll catch you next time. Bye-bye. I'm your host, James Sten- All right, we're back on the New Books Network, the African-American Studies channel. I'm your host, James Stansel. Hope you enjoyed that interview with Dr. Tony Presley-Sanon. And the book is Zombifying a Nation, Race, Gender, and the Haitian Loire on Screen. Zombifying a Nation, and it's published by McFarlane Press. So I hope you enjoyed that interview. Hope you're not too afraid of zombies and the the like. Um, There is a real history behind them, but it's been greatly fictionalized. And if you read this book... You'll learn about some of the earliest films and the movies and uh, the original novel uh, that this all came from, which gives you your walking dead of today. So on that note, everyone have a wonderful evening, a wonderful day, wherever you are. And we'll see you next time on the African-American Studies channel of the New Books Network. I'm your host, James Stansel. Peace and love.